Welcome to Caldwoods with Mert, the one-stop Salonis shop for all things sales, product, customers, marketing, and more. What's up, everybody? This is Caldwoods with Mert. You already know it's no flaw. So today's episode is an interesting topic around three magical words, figuring it out. A lot of times, especially in the beginning of the BDR role, it can get tough adjusting to new training, new practices, and an interesting part is the possibility of a new career path. Today, I have with me three BDRs who've taken an untraditional route into sales, and we'll talk about how they blended their previous experiences in Salona's training to figure it out. I have with me Megan, Andrew, and Will speaking about their backgrounds before sales and some best tips and practices getting to the role and adjusting accordingly. How are you guys today? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, doing great, excited to be here. Thanks for having us, Mert. So, you know, I'm curious. First of all, let's start from the beginning. Let's start from how you guys got into sales. A lot of you have some interesting backgrounds and we'll talk more about that. So I can start, uh, this is Andrew. I spent uh, nine years playing professional baseball. I took, uh, took off halfway through my college career went and pursued that baseball career. And then once injuries ended that, I went back to school, got my degree. And that was at 30 or 31 years old. And then it was kind of a trying to figure out what I was going to do. I did a uh, little startup with a couple of my buddies. And then once that kind of fizzled, got another job as a BDR at another company. And then here I am at Salonis. This is Will. At 19, I, I enlisted in the Army. I ended up deploying to Iraq, and then I got out in the middle of the, in the middle at the end of 2008 during the recession. Kind of juggled some jobs. Uh, I went to community college um, for about two years, and then uh, I ended up transferring to Dartmouth College, where I had to kind of restart and reset my education. I graduated just a few days before I turned 30. I ended up in a retail supply chain company, kind of as as a business analyst. To be completely honest, I absolutely hated it. So I kind of made the decision that I wanted to reset one more time. And so I found Salonis and it kind of resonated with me as the the answer to all my headaches in the supply chain world. So that's kind of what led me here. I went to college at 18, like most everybody else does. And I was an opera and cello performance double major. Um, It wasn't really for me, and it helped that the school cut the music program at the end of my sophomore year. So I dropped out, and I traveled for a while, um, started college again while taking um, acting gigs and and voiceover work and studio studio voice and studio cello work. Um, And I ended up graduating at 27 with a degree in musical theater. Then I moved to Tokyo, um, all doing work in Tokyo. Primarily, I was with Disney as a singer. Um, And then just last year, I decided to move back to America with my daughter and moved to Salonis in March. And that's how I got here. Yeah, so that is a good transition into this topic where I'm curious in this kind of an open forum, you guys can go, whoever wants to go first, but I'm curious that you've had all this experience in the past. Sales are relatively new. You're not like fresh out of college as like a 21, 22 year old. Was there a learning curve when you first got into the role? There is a learning curve still going on. I think the the biggest thing for me is that in my past career, like I said earlier, that my kind of identified 
myself as a baseball player. It wasn't just an occupation. And in my position, I was a relief pitcher. So if I give up a run on a particular day, it's probably going to cost us a game and it's going to be a, a large failure. And that's going to stick with me until the next time I get out there. So with sales, if I have a day where I don't set any meetings, like it's difficult for me to separate from that when I, sure. when I clock out. You know, I've noticed that a lot, not just like with you, Andrew, with a lot of people who have done other roles in the past, um, they, they have such a high expectation of themselves in a previous role. They, they crushed their previous job, they crushed their previous experience and they got into sales. And so it's such a roller coaster, right? There's never like a hot path for a long time. There's going to be a hot path, then a little bump in the road and then up again, down again. Right. So Megan, tell me about that. How about your experience? Well, it's, it's pretty similar to Andrew's. I think we both come from performance-based industries where your performance makes or breaks. It's not like sales where you can have a bad week and then you have a good week and then you have a bad week and then you have a good week. If you're not, if you're not performing at an optimal level, then you're not getting cast. You're not getting the role or you won't be asked back to that theater. Similarly, you'll probably be kicked off a team. I don't know anything about sports, but that's my assumption. Um, um, so it, it kind of fed into my first few months of sales when when I was having rock star weeks, it fed into my almost my sense of identity or my, my sense of self. I felt really, really good about myself and really positive. And on the flip side, weeks that I was performing poorly, I, I felt like a, a garbage person, <laughs> honestly. Oh, um, no. So that's no, truly. And, and that's, I know that's not healthy. I know that's not a, a good way to approach things. And I'm growing out of it, but that's something I'm, I'm trying to unlearn. And then, Will, you've been here for how long? A year and a half now? Definitely over a year. Yeah, so we, can call, we can call it a year and a half. A couple things I had to learn. You know, I have the ability to – I know I have this, that, that I can kind of mold myself, like I said, like be a chameleon. But coming into the job, uh, I often found myself too sympathetic to the, to the core personas that, that we would call because I came from that background in procurement and supply chain, and I was almost I, – I didn't challenge them enough. I was – almost too accepting of, of their difficult, so supposed difficult circumstance. So I, I ended up taking the L a lot. Um, I really had to figure out how to wait for the cues to kind of not just simply have a conversation and get information because I could do that a lot, but I, I had to learn how to, how to really press on somebody and, and figure out how to do what I, I am capable of doing, holding people accountable, making them, you know, feel responsible enough to find the incentive. I have a reason for calling them. Um, and, and it's a good reason. I need to make them see it by, by t allowing them to take some ownership. And I think that was the biggest like challenge for me to figure out. And it was a real slow go for me. Um, because I, I have a really methodical and qualitative approach. And, you know, early on, they, they, they was an approach of comparing other people's numbers to mine, which doesn't motivate me. Um, so I really had to figure out how to, how to, you know, learn how to hold people accountable in order to get them, you know, to, to say yes from when I, when I presented the ask. Right. And, and Will, you've been here the longest out of, out of the three guests. What did you do when you hit those high highs and then those low lows? How did you bounce back? I think one of the things that I needed to learn how to do was stop worrying about, the failures and just realize that they're going to happen. 
Sometimes I, I would make a dial and I would almost want to hang up before they even picked up. You can't do that. You can't worry about the objections, whatever they may be. You have to eliminate the worries about no-shows. If you aren't worried about the prospect showing up to the meeting or, or being difficult, then you're more focused on proper qualifications. And if you're properly qualifying them, then you can actually set expectations and maybe even you know, foster some excitement in the prospect. And I think that if you can do that, if, you, like, if it goes back to putting some ownership on them, um, getting some excitement and making sure they, they have expectations, they're gonna show up. Um, and I think that if you don't worry about the risks as much, then you'll be able to effectively do that more often. And Andrew, you're coming out of your, your baby years, right? You're coming into the, that 10 year territory and you've probably hit the same amount of highs and lows consistently, but what did you do to go from those low lows to high highs now? Um, I'm very process oriented. So I was aware of the, the fact that it takes a good bit to get comfortable. My wife kind of pressed on me always that you're not really fully ramped in a job until six months down the line. Sure. And it is difficult in sales because metrics are very open to everyone. Everyone can see how you're doing. There's no secrets. And that's kind of how it was with baseball as well. Your statistics and your metrics are all the same. So like Will said, he's not motivated by how others numbers compare to his. I am extremely motivated. I don't even know if it's a motivation. It's like a, it's almost like a fear that I need to be able to. I, I think it's a motivation. With, I think it's a yeah, motivator. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I think yeah. that's where it is. It's just really trying to get better day by day and just knowing that I can always get better and always try to put in the work to, to make tomorrow better than today was. Megan, are you that way as well? Are you more of a Will Peters, don't really care about the metrics against my peers or more of an Andrew where you want to compete? I, I don't want to compete. <laughs> I don't want to see what anybody else is doing. I, I compete with myself. Um, I guess that's kind of like Will, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I've, I've spoken about this um, in a couple of my one-on-ones, but I need to be better about, uh, I don't know, I, I need to find that kind of need to compete with others or, or, or a stronger desire to compete with myself and, and the numbers that I'm putting up myself instead of making excuses for why I didn't hit it this month, because then it makes it more comfortable to not hit it next month. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the kind of, that's kind of a thing, you know, it, it's not that it's not a competition. It's just a different kind, you know, competing with yourself is often the most challenging and most rewarding kind of competition, or at least I find. Yeah, the, the motivation to do better than you did last month, last week, yesterday, is an insane motivator. It's very intrinsic, right? You want to feel like you're getting better day by day. And question for Andrew is, what was that light bulb moment where you were like, you know what? I'm starting to figure it out. I don't know if there was one moment in particular, but it was just my comfort on the call. I think a lot of it was I had a transition of, hoping people answered as opposed to hoping people didn't answer because when I wasn't confident and people were answering, I would be kind of fumbling over my words and my pitch would sound terrible. And obviously it, they can hear that on the other side of the phone. So I think the biggest thing was that little thing is I, I hope this person answers. 
And at what point did you feel like you wanted to have people answer the phones? What gave you that confidence? It was my comfort with my pitch as well as the comfort with Salonis as a whole. Like when I knew that I was calling someone and had something positive to give them, then I was confident. But before I feel like I was taking their time without having the proper value to provide them. Megan, as the newest, you know, person um, in this, in this group, what was your label moment? Um, I'm still looking for it, <laughs> but I would say I is similar to Andrew, um, just like volume of people. The more people you speak to, the more experience you get under your belt, the more wins you have, the easier it gets. And the more you want someone to pick up. So you have the opportunity to win them over, but also the more L's I've gotten have made it easier to pick up the phone and dial yes. because yes, yes. I've seen, you know, I've seen what, what the worst is that can happen. And it's, it's, it's not that bad. You know, you recover from it. You, you keep, you keep going, you hang up and you dial the next person, you mark them as nurturing and move on. So taking those losses has helped with, with my bravery tremendously. So important. And I know Will can speak on this as well, because you've been here for a while now, Laura. And in fact, yeah. you're also a mentor as well. So I want to hear from your perspective. I want to hear, you know, how important it is for people to just get on the phones, take those L's, take those W's. But what matters is getting on the phones, doing the outreach and just getting the pitch out. Yeah. No, I mean, I think um, what I like about sales is, and uh, I'm a big baseball fan, not a, not a very good player, but a big fan, is there's a lot of analogies out there um, about, you know, you got to go out and get your at-bats. You know, you got to take your swings. And sometimes you got to get out and you got to get up on the, on the mound and, and you got to go out and get shelled. You got to be afraid. You got to learn how to not be afraid to go out there and try and throw strikes. I think, you know, to kind of steal a term from you, I'm not getting on the phone to try and sell somebody a toaster strudel. Uh, you know, there was a sales leader who, <laughs> who said that, you know, at this point, there are enough major players in the market, major companies that are using our, our software and adding extreme value that we need to hold these people accountable that tell them that their peers are doing it and kind of in a very professional and polite and clever way, kind of make them feel bad for not doing it, make them, you know, get some FOMO out of it. And that was my light bulb moment. That was when I started to really formulate my strategy for getting on the phone with somebody and saying, here's why I'm calling. Here's why it won't be a waste of either of our time. And you know what? I don't make dials to people that I'm not sure I have something to say anymore. But that did take a lot. Like Megan said, getting, you got to take a lot of L's. You got to go out there and get butchered a lot. And you find out that it's not the worst of it. But you also find out, you know, people who you could win over, what you might do better, you know, if there are people I called three months ago and I, I failed to, to sway them, I call them later. I'm like, hey, we talked a few months ago. I got something better to say to you right now. Um, and, and that still happens. I just, I just switched verticals to finance, financial services and insurance. And I've had to reinvent myself kind of all over again. Um, so the work kind of is never done. Definitely. That's a good point. It's just um, as, as you get more tenure in the job, it becomes less about I've got to like pitch a million people and get the, and get the word out, but being very strategized. Right. And, and that's where it comes from the key versus strategic rep 
is that the strategic reps are a lot more focused on who they're talking to, tailoring the message, tailoring their personas, tailoring the, the ask. I think just being process oriented, um, in my past career in baseball, you play like 30 games a month. So you might have one or two days off every day is the same. So really just preparing yourself to succeed every single day by putting the work in and then having that confidence that you've done what you need to do to go out there and perform on that particular day. We had uh, last summer, uh, a young BDR just started and um, we have these call booths that, that, that people can use. And it was his first day on the phones and he looks at me and he says, are those open for everybody? And I said, yep. And he goes, oh, so I can go make calls on them. And I was like, nope. And he just kind of looked at me a little worried and flustered. I was like, he says, why not? I said, because not only do you have to get used to getting butchered, you have to get used to doing it in front of everybody. Trust me, it'll be all right. And now, honestly, I believe that to this day for the last six, seven months, he is puts out the most pitches um, out of anybody on the team. Um, so the truth is, is there, you know, you really have to, you know, hold yourself in front of the fire and get used to the heat and then you just perform. I think it's just, don't be afraid of failure. Understand exactly what failing is calling someone, having them hang up on you or telling them to take you off or take them off your list. But other than that, that's literally the worst thing that can happen. So be, be confident and dial. Yeah. I think that, um, I think you know, not every company gets the opportunity we have to have such a broad range of application of personas that we get to contact. So we can never get bored from who we're calling or what kind of business. But I think with that, you can't be afraid to do your research uh, in terms of you've got to like do outreach all the time, but you also have to match that with learning about different use cases, um, industries, constantly reading the news, always doing research. Yeah, I would say, I mean, maybe this applies to the folks that are just coming out of school and starting in a BDR role, but I think it's most applicable to people who have had careers and lives prior to coming into this. But when you have something as complex as the product that we offer, know going into this that you're never going to know everything. You're never going to know every use case. You're never going to know everything about every persona before you get on the phone. Um, but like Will was saying with the research, don't let that stop you from trying. Like just just have an open mind and be a have a continual learning model for yourself and, and you'll be fine. Megan, Will, and Andrew, thank you so much for this invaluable episode. This is Call Blitz with Mert. Like always, no fluff. Bye, everybody.